morning. <clears throat> this morning we continue our series. By way of introduction, <clears throat> have you ever thought about why the Lord would have us embark on a year-long series on spiritual gifts? Have you ever thought about why? Our text for today answers that question. Listen as I read this, how the gifts are distributed among believers and what we can see about the illustration of the parts of a body in close proximity working together to form one body. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. <clears throat> this passage, beautifully describing gifts that God has given to us out of His love and care for us. And with a gospel-centered lens, we can see that, in a sense, these gifts are part of the fruit of the good news that we can receive God's grace to us through faith in what Jesus did on the cross. It's part of the full package. In the context of the gifts working in the church life together, He restores lives, He rebuilds shattered relationships. We can have a new life in Christ because of the unmerited favor and grace of our God toward us. And if you think this is just a matter of fact, theological position that you can kind of put in your wallet like, a, like your money and a credit card or a driver's license for security, you're missing the love God has for you. David Orland says, that's what we're like, confessing Christ with our lips, but generally avoiding deep fellowship with Him out of a muted understanding of His heart. God knew that our sinful hearts would have a hard time understanding His love for us. Listen to this prayer. And I pray you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide. He's trying to explain this to us. How wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and how to know this love that surpasses knowledge. As we see how God loves us and cares for us, if you really get that, this gift of will make more sense. 
It's not something that we just look at and read about. These gifts, and God gave us these gifts because we benefit from them. It's part of the package as a believer. And a little later, I'll tell you how this particular gift of distinguishing spirits had a life-transforming impact on me and my wife. So how can we describe this gift? The spiritual gift of discernment or discerning of spirits is a special ability <clears throat> given spontaneously by the Holy Spirit to distinguish the source or nature of a person, an event, a spoken word, an atmosphere, an action, and whether it is from God, a demonic spirit, or human intention. Wayne Grudem, in his systematic theology, explains it like this. Any situation in which first-century Christians would have seen demonic influence was a potential opportunity for the use of this gift of the distinguishing between spirits. You want an easy way to remember it? It's an insight into what's taking place in the spiritual realm. The Greek word for the gift of discernment is diacrisis. The word describes being able to distinguish, discern, judge, or appraise a person, a statement, a situation, or environment. Let me tell you about my first encounter with this years ago in California. We uh, were in a number of different occult activities, practicing them before we became believers. And I was getting out of my car one day, and I had this really heavy sense of oppression and darkness sweep over me. I go inside, and my roommates and I, we start talking about things, and we make this list of all the things that have been going wrong in our home. And we figured that we had some kind of dark stuff going on. So we were seeking a warlock or somebody to help us break that. And we eventually met a guy who took us through a deliverance ministry and we, we prayed a prayer. We bought a Bible <laughs> and became Christians. And that's before I was even a believer that, that the Lord helped me. I mean, the Lord showed me what was going on in the spiritual realm. So why did God give this to the church, and why do we need this gift? This is probably the most neglected and ignored spiritual gift, and it's not hard to figure out. If you think about it, the enemy would love for us not to know what's going on. He wants to remain hidden, so he likes it to be ignored and not exposed. So the first reason, I will say, is that the church needs those with this gift to expose the works of darkness, keep the church from being led astray by false teaching and by being harmed by wolves in sheep's clothing. Regarding false teaching, we need to remember that this gift helps us know when the enemy is twisting or distorting what God has said to us in Scripture. 1 Timothy 4 warns us about this, how spiritual truths can be twisted into deceptions. Now, the Spirit explicitly says that in the later times, some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. When you see church splits 
and denominational splits? Consider the damage caused by wolves promoting false doctrines. Doctrines like God wouldn't send anybody to hell or justifying unnatural sexual relationships or putting man at the center of the universe. As the word says, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Our second reason, the gift of discernment can also be helpful in the context of praying for healing. A discerner may identify a spiritual source as the cause of an illness. We see in Luke 13, there was a woman who couldn't straighten up for 18 years, and Jesus prayed for her, healed her, and then explained that Satan had bound her. And so there were occasions where Jesus discerned demonic sources of physical affliction. A third reason, the gift of discernment can discern or test a prophetic word. Following the practice that Paul explained in 1 Corinthians 14 about things done in order, when we gather in big groups like this or small groups and a prophetic word comes forth, it's to be tested and evaluated to determine if it's coming from the Holy Spirit or not. Number four, this gift can give insight into good or evil places, persons, music, or objects. 1 John 4 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. Well, how exactly does spiritual discernment work, this distinguishing gift? How does it work? Well, it's, it's, it operates a little like a Geiger counter that measures radiation. It's a spiritual detection system that measures spiritual realities that are beyond our natural senses to be able to discern and understand. And when we say discerning, we're talking about an inward knowing. It can be a kind of subtle stirring in our soul. For some, it can be a very strong sense. For others, it may feel just like a, a normal thought that you would have. So don't be expecting some emotional, overwhelming thing. It might be a very subtle thought that you have. But part of what we're doing here today is equipping all of, it, all of you, all of us, to be alert to this because it's inherent in the way we should be seeing things in the spirit world. So, we should remember that we, that our gifts were never meant to operate in isolation. But they should be operating in the community of a local church with the prayer support of fellow believers, under the authority of leadership, and overarching it all is the motivation of love. That's what the whole thing is about.
Do you remember our spiritual gifts orientation scripture? If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. It's interesting that this is right in the middle of a section about the spiritual gifts. So this gift is not just to recognize evil spirits. This is really important. It's to see what God is doing. In Acts 14, 8 through 10, it says, Elisha, there was a man who was lame, and Paul walked up to this guy and looks at him directly, sees what's going on, calls the man to stand up. The man jumps up and starts walking, and Jesus, I mean, Paul, Paul, what happened was Paul discerned what was going on there. He discerned that God was working this, at work in this man's life, that the man had the faith to be healed, and he healed him. Paul saw what God was doing. Are there cautions in the operation of this gift? First caution is, and it's also a word of encouragement, don't underestimate your own ability to operate in this gift, and don't underestimate how you can grow in it. In this gift, we must remember that no spiritual gift functions perfectly all the time. That's not the way it works. We don't have a full knowledge of people's hearts. We're going to make mistakes sometimes. As James 3 says, for we all stumble in many ways. So don't let the enemy discourage you in the use of this gift. You may be uncertain about your perception of an evil presence. You might be somewhere and you'll kind of feel something or sense something or, or have a thought about something and be unsure about it. But as Wayne Grudem says, this does not mean that we should ignore the possibility of demonic influence. However, as we grow in spiritual maturity and sensitivity, our ability to recognize demonic influence in various situations will no doubt increase. There'll be a theme running through what I'm talking about today that involves growth, spiritual maturity and growth. And as we do, these things become more clear and more functional. And that's the way God planned it. Number two, caution. Those who expose the schemes of the devil can expect some spiritual warfare. When I was putting this together, I said, man, I wonder if that's going to scare people. <laughs> well, I want to assure you that spiritual warfare is a part of every Christian's life. And we should all be not ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. We need to know what's going on and know what to do and how to handle it. <clears throat> Discerners, those who have the ability to expose the works of the enemy, will experience that warfare. But the enemy is no match for the power that God has given each of us as a born-again believer. Remember, Jesus has given us, the, given us the assurance that a spiritual gift from our Heavenly Father is good, and we do not need to fear being given something harmful when we're asking for the Holy Spirit. That's a really important point. We should always remember that demonic spirits respond to authority. 
really important point. As the Bible says in Luke 10, look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. The third caution, to be equipped for this gift, it is crucial that we strive for a familiar and workable knowledge of the Bible. Let's look at a passage in Hebrews 5 to see if there's a connection between knowing the Word and spiritual maturity. We have a great deal to say about this, and it's difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelations again. You need milk, not solid food. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. As we earnestly desire these gifts, we need to remember that the most urgent need that we have is not to be able to hear God's voice more clearly and with greater clarity. As important as that is, the most urgent need is for us to be theologically literate and sufficiently familiar with the Bible that we can effectively judge and evaluate things that are, by nature, intuitive, subjective impressions or ideas. You'll see here the theme running through this is the Word is our anchor. The Word is our storehouse of wisdom. The Word is our base from which we operate. In a sense, it's like gaining the expertise to spot a counterfeit $20 bill. Bank tellers are trained by studying real money so they can spot the subtle flaws in a counterfeit. And in the same way, we're talking here about the doctrinal forgeries that have plagued the church since the first century. It's still going on. This kind of Bible-based discernment does not involve spiritual revelations or a voice from God. Rather, the spiritually discerning are so familiar with the Word of God that they recognize what is contrary to it. To discern... We are to be people who are filled with, the, filled with the Spirit and rich in the Word. The fourth caution, we must be careful to avoid handling our discernment in a way that becomes gossip or is harmful to others. This gift, like the other gifts of the Spirit, are always for edification and building up of the body. If you discern that one of your friends may have some demonic attachments or dark presence around them or their home, go to your community group leader or come to your pastors with that report. The gift of discerning spirits is not the gift of suspicion or judgment. Insights and perceptions should never be used to gossip, embarrass, or defame another person. 
you know, harmful handling of a discernment can happen unintentionally in the guise of seeking advice or confirmation or help or prayer support from somebody else. So just be careful. The fifth caution, our discernment should have a healthy balance between distinguishing evil and good spirits. As a discerner, if we only see and report things about demonic activity, there needs to be an adjustment to make it our first priority to see what the Holy Spirit is doing. The Holy Spirit could be doing something in a situation that looks like the enemy. For example, if you remember, Joseph was rejected and sold by his brothers into slavery, and he later said to them, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That's an example right there. And with regard to discerning the good spirits, I can remember I was uh, down t- working downtown Fort Worth years ago, and they had a, we were having a national day of prayer, and there was a uh, concert and speakers in a, a forum down in, in an outside area of Fort Worth. And I remember walking up there and just turning the corner, and that music was playing, and I was instantly in the spirit. I felt the presence of God in a, in a very strong, encouraging, loving way. So it can work both ways, but don't think about this area as only detecting demonic or dark powers uh, because sometimes you'll be, in fact, it's happened to me. I've been with somebody before, and I've just, their presence, they had the presence of the Lord with them, and I encouraged them by telling, I just told them straight up, man, you, I love to be with you, brother. You're just a, you encourage me to be with you. So what are some indications that you may have this gift of discernment? Well, a desire for the gift. You may enjoy the presence of God. Sometimes you may experience unusual dreams or uh, visions or sensations that may may be alerting you to what's happening in the spiritual realm. Uh, a sensitivity to spiritual atmospheres. After all, we do live in both a natural world and a spiritual world together, concurrently. So how do we grow in this discerning ability? If you're a born-again believer, you have a certain amount of discernment. That is, you have some insight into what's taking place in the spiritual realm. The first way to grow is that we can proactively pursue an ongoing sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. That is, making God consciousness a habit. You know, the truth is, all of our gifts will soar if we live, if we live a rhythm of life that includes time for worship and time in the Word and presence, and learning to hear God's direction in our life. It's almost like a part of all of us as a believer that some of us never turn on, that, that attentiveness, that to be in that channel where you're in the Holy Spirit channel. And we learn it over time. It requires the consistent 
exercise of our spiritual senses. In a word, it's practicing the presence of God, something that we learn over time. I know that uh, we all go through periods of growth. Uh, we were in our rookie year of being a believer, trying to figure out God's direction for us. So we, we thought fasting would be a good idea. So we fasted for three days on water. And um, we got our answer. It was wonderful. However, I broke the fast with a big helping of banana pudding. It was so good. I got so sick. Be careful in fasting. So, <clears throat> second way to grow, gaining knowledge of the Bible and knowing the character of God. This is an important one. This equips us with the ability to sense whether something is of God or not. If you know the ways of Jesus, you know what he was like, how he thought, how he sorted things out, then you'll know what is not the Lord. God's word is our frame of reference. Very important. Our Bible study is our storehouse from which the Holy Spirit draws. That's really important. You are basically filling your spirit with something that's very needful for every believer. It's the core of who we are and what we're all about. I know um, we were in Brazil, and you may not have heard about this, but there was a cult called the Children of God, and we saw them on the street, and we were attracted to them. They were happy and peaceful and seemed to be really a cool bunch of people. But we heard a few things that they said that were questionable. And even in our rookie year, we go back to our little apartment, opened up our Bibles and looked it up, just like the Bereans, and figured out that they're, they're a little off, and we avoided that. And that's just a real simple early example of, of how you can use the word like that. Third way to grow. In the same way we can learn to hear God giving us prophetic words for others by learning to hear God speak to us In the same way we can learn to hear God giving us prophetic words for others by learning to hear God speaking to us through prayerful journaling. That is, we're, we're journaling and praying, and we learn to hear God's voice that way. We can learn to distinguish thoughts from the enemy by taking our thoughts captive for discernment and evaluation. That's taking our thoughts. So uh, here's an illustration. Let's say one day you're having thoughts about yourself, and it starts like, boy, you really blew it back there. They're really going to avoid you going forward. Notice that's not I. That starts with the you accusatory. That kind of harshness seems normal to us sinners because that's the way we tend to be. And that's why we're so vulnerable to whispering like that in our ears from the enemy accusations and lies about ourselves and others. But, like David said in Psalms 119, if we treasure and store up God's word in our heart and become familiar with God's patient and loving ways, we will recognize the difference between the enemy's mean-spirited accusations and God's loving admonishment. There's a big difference. Dave Ortland's 
gentleman lowly describes God's response when we blow it like his deepest impulse and delight is patient gentleness. There's a big difference between the way God is and who he is and us. Big difference. And most of us spend most of our lives trying to figure that out and understand it and embrace it. It's really sad that people come from a really bad home. They have a lot, it takes them a lot longer to understand God's heart. It's really sad because they've been tainted by, by the sinfulness of man. And God knew, as far as his thought life, God knew we would struggle with our thought life. In this prayer, he says, we see in 2 Corinthians uh, 10, for although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh, since our weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. He's describing something here that is a dark power coming against us and how we struggle with that and how we arrest it by taking the thought captive to evaluate just like we evaluate a word that we hear. A fourth way to grow, an effective way to grow in this gift is by asking for it. 1 Corinthians 14 says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Fifth way to grow. The soul state from which this comes forth is love. All that we do should be carried out and motivated by love and aimed at building up the church. As it says in 1 Corinthians 14, So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. And the sixth and last way to grow if we are discerning something, God may be alerting us to what he is wanting to do. The power to discern can come with a purpose, like encouragement or prayer or alerting. We need to be armed and ready to minister as God directs. In the spiritual realm, we are not civilians. We are soldiers in an army, in a battle. And in the spiritual realm, walking in the grace and power of God comes through wisely ordering our values and our lifestyle. We remove the profane things and the things of the flesh. God has called us to holiness. A Christian man who wants to be more like Christ cannot have a Bible in one hand and in his other hand have his cell phone with a pornographic video playing. It just, it just can't be. And that problem can yield more bad fruit when that same man tries to stop that sinful habit in his own strength instead of crying out to God for help. In 1 Corinthians 6, the Corinthians had adopted the cultural idea that the body is permitted to have everything it craves. But Paul knows that our human desires are tainted with sin. 
which can use these desires to master a person for its own evil purposes. Note in this quote, in this quote coming up that the quotation marks within this passage indicate that it was probably a commonly used slogan among the Corinthians. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. How can we continue satisfying our flesh and expect to walk in the power and the presence of God? How can we continue to do what is right in our own eyes and ignore our calling to be disciples, to live a holy life, consecrated to God, to honor Him? I mean, do we really want more of God or not? Galatians 5 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. So that you are not to do whatever you want. That's a, that's a clean, pure word for us. Are we just kind of cruising along, letting life unfold, or are we intentionally trying to honor God with our lives and seeking to be more powerful in the Spirit? And the reason I'm putting this in here today is because if you want to walk in the power of discernment and the power of the gifts, you can't do that if you have a polluted life. You know, the word says, come to me with a clean hands and a pure heart. What that's talking about is, if you want to be a, a real Christian and experience the fullness of the gospel and the power of the Lord and his presence, and the glory of his, his works in your life and others, you've got to do something intentional about it. You've got to follow the word. I have a, a friend, we were, years ago, <clears throat> we had just become Christians and we were smoking marijuana, and this person all of a sudden had a just a almost like a choking tightness in their throat, and that was quickly followed by a word or thought in their head that said, "This is not for you anymore." And that was just so sweet that the Lord <laughs> would take this person, this new believer, this rookie, and just put his arm around that person and say, man, this is, not, this is not for you anymore. You have a new life in me. Walk in that. So the point is that Jesus tells us in John 10.10 10, that he came to give us an abundant life. Well, are we settling for a mediocre life? Are we asleep at the wheel? in the rhythm of our life, how we're living our lives? Are we putting first things first? So in closing, you can be encouraged that as a believer, with the Holy Spirit in you and God's Word in you, you will have insight into what's going on in the spiritual realm. That you will not be ignorant of the schemes of the enemy but you'll expose them as you discern them. We hope 
you will take this truth as a springboard to earnestly seek to walk in the Spirit and be attuned to God and what He's doing. And in developing this Spirit-filled walk, you will find new joys in taking your place as a functioning member of the body of Christ. And regarding spiritual warfare, because you know and walk in the biblical truth that you're more than a conqueror, you are not a thermometer. Your spiritual weather doesn't go up or down with your location. You're a thermostat. You set your temperature with the truth from God's Word. You take the weather with you wherever you go. And the weather for us Christians is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, help us identify the areas in which you can grow us in discernment, in the distinguishing between spirits. Help us to see you in every situation. Holy Spirit, empower us to discern and to speak words of life that bring healing and freedom and transformation. Help us to become so rich in your word and so tuned in to what is on your heart that when people encounter us, they encounter Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.